You can be seated. Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Ephesians, chapter 1. And uh, this is an incredibly rich passage of Scripture. It's very difficult as a preacher to know when to say when, and I know I don't need any comments on that, but anyway... um, There's so much in this passage of Scripture. I could spend six months, I think, in chapter 1. I want so much for us to grasp it because I'm convinced that these truths, uh, if, if we put them into our heart and our mind and they transform our mind, it, it is such a freeing and empowering uh, truth because what we want to be for Our Savior is the church that he died on that cross to redeem. We want to be the church that he designed. And he's building his church. And one of the ways he builds his church is through the text of his word. And so just soak this in. Think about it. Take it throughout the week. I pray that 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is not your only dose of scripture for the week. I hope that it just... It just gives you, whets your appetite so that you will search the scriptures throughout the week. And, and, and you could just meditate on chapters 1 and chapter 2 of Ephesians. It is rich beyond belief when we dive in and think about what it tells us. And as I look at believers in our current context of our culture and our world, it would be believers so often are losing their composure. They're losing their poise when it comes to the challenges of this world and we're becoming consumers and we're just we're driven by consumption and believers so much are we're just competitors with the world and we lose our consistency of of obedience our consistency in life and and we look at that and yet, yet uh, the book of Ephesians pictures a church that is standing firm in the midst of spiritual battles. It pictures a church that is walking wisely in the power of the Holy Spirit. Chapters 4 through 6 will we'll detail that as we get to this. And, and there are aspects of the Christian life that we are to obey and we're to live that out. But, but what Paul shows us in this great epistle is that we cannot walk the Christian life and stand in the midst of victoriously in a Christian battle, the spiritual battles we face, unless we can first sit and rest securely and confidently in who we are and what Christ has done for us. And so he gives us this marvelous New Testament psalm. It is a song. And he erupts in this song as he's introducing the letter. And he says, I just want you to contemplate, you Gainesville folks, I just want you to contemplate, the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to think about how incredibly wealthy and rich you are in a spiritual sense. Now be honest, some of you are a little depressed this morning because you didn't win the Powerball. I'm not going to look for a hands of gamblers this morning, but anyway... Some of you might think, and you're looking at the Tennessee couple I saw on the, that got $327 million. They got their third of it. How many of you would take a third of the winnings? Would you be all right with that? $327 million. In, and we look at them, and they're all smiles. I mean, they can't quit smiling. I love the, uh, 
the stockbroker beside him, he was smiling even more. The financial planner, he just couldn't, he was just shaking. He was so happy. And I think if they only knew what you can have in Christ Jesus, just pales in comparison. We just, we get confused about what real wealth is. And we tie it and our peace and our happiness, we tie it to to things that go up and down like the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And it's no wonder we lose our composure as believers. And so the Apostle Paul wants to teach us, church, would you just stick with me as we walk through this? This is theology, this is doctrine, this is critical to life and practice. You want to have a good marriage? You need to learn to sit securely in Christ Jesus. You want to know how to raise your children? You need to learn how to rest in the work of Christ in your life. You need to understand these principles. And so you just walk with me through this, and I think it will give you the things that uh, you really will just kind of grin about. I can't believe. What you'll find out is that you have the winning number, and it's Jesus. He won it all. And so let's look at this passage of Scripture today. I'm going to read just a portion of it because we have limited time. But let me just begin in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the word blessed there for him is different than it is for us. The word blessed for God there, and this this is Greek, but it's interesting. The word blessed there, and it's only used with God, it ends, it's the same word, but it ends with a T-O-S instead of an M-O-S. And what that means is that he is inherently worthy of praise. He's not pronounced, he is inherently worthy of praise in his very nature. He's praiseworthy. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. In Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, because He has chosen us, He He has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. And here's where it's going. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in Jesus, the beloved. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the what? The riches of his grace. And he just kind of reluctantly gave us a little bit of it. He lavished it upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Father, I just pray that you would open up this text to us this morning. Help us see what we have in Christ, who we are in him that we would be different. May we sit securely in the finished work of Christ. May we see ourselves seated with him at the right hand of the Father in heaven so that we can walk 
almost with a giddy smile that we can stand victoriously knowing whose we are. We thank you that we are in Christ this morning. And Father, I pray for those that aren't in Christ, that have never trusted him as their Lord and Savior, that you would call them forth, that you would, you would bring new children of God into your fold this morning. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Notice the context of this incredible blessing. Look at verse 3. The context, where do we get these blessings? And let me just tell you what blessings is. Blessings we get really confused about because we sing songs like this, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done. And we think, we think automatically what those blessings are. I got my health this morning. I was telling somebody this is the first Sunday in a long time. I don't have something going on right up here in my, you know, a cold or something like that. And it feels good to have my health, amen? That's a blessing, right? Some of you are thinking, Man, I pulled my money out of the stock market a long time ago. I'm good. Some of you are thinking, I got, I got children that are healthy. I've got a wonderful wife. And you're counting your blessings. You're counting your blessings. And here's the problem with counting those as blessings. All of those blessings come with a curse. Now think about it. All of those blessings that we normally count as blessings... Our finances, our children, our marriages, our, our jobs, all of them come with the taint of sin. All of them are subject to the second law of thermodynamics. Everything tends to disintegrate. Everything turn, uh, uh, tends towards uh, falling apart. How many of you are blessed to have children? How many of you keep your hands up if you spank the tar out of them any times? Okay, a few of you did. Why? Your blessing came with a curse. Right? How many of you love that, that husband or wife? Raise your hand. How many of you sometimes don't really feel love towards them? Just keep your hand up. But, but I'm a, that blessing comes with a little bit. There's the curse of sin. How many of you have bought a boat and think, I'm so blessed God has just enriched me enough to have a boat, and you were so happy the day you sold that boat <laughs> that most of the time that boat's in the shop, and you think that vacation home is great until you just, you're, you, you don't ever get to spend any time in it, and you're just spending money out to keep it up. Every, all of these things we count as blessings come with the curse of being in this physical realm, but notice the blessings he says we're rich with. These blessings are in Christ, they are spiritual blessings, and they are in the heavenly places. They are reserved, they are unfading, they are imperishable. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't thank God for all of your blessings and count your blessings, name them one by one in the physical realm. Absolutely. And God does say, listen, I will meet your needs and I'll do all those things. But one of the reasons that Christians lose their composure, lose their consistency, and, have, and, and lose their character, and they become all sorts of sinful things that we're not supposed to be is because we've tied our sense of being blessed to earthly things. And Jesus says, no, you're rich in spiritual things. And we honestly don't like that teaching. 
We'd rather go sit in a church with a person that says, if you'll just have enough faith, he's going to send you money. If you just have enough faith, he's going to heal all of your diseases. And you're never going to be sick. And I can show you lots of apostles that had a lot of trouble. Are we going to tell that missionary's wife that she's not blessed? He died. He was killed by in Burkina Faso. Are we going to tell him that he's less blessed than us? No, we see we tie our sense of blessing to things that aren't that aren't truly in the ultimate sense the ultimate kind of blessings. And we can't help that. We're born in this flesh and we struggle with that. And that's why we have to begin this Christian walk to understand the Christian walk, to understand how to win spiritual battles. We have to understand where our true sense of well-being is tied. Because you're just as liable as soon as you think God has really blessed you to get cancer and die. You've seen it happen. And I can look, because of what the Bible says, I can look at that cancer-ridden Christian and say, you are blessed beyond your wildest imaginations. And I can look at that guy who's got all the money and he got all the houses and all the, all the things, and I can say, you are so sadly impoverished without Christ because all that you have will rust and decay and will go to your children who will spend it all. And they'll say, no, I'm blessed. So look at the context. He says it's spiritual blessings, and all of these blessings are found in Christ, found in the sphere or the location of Christ. By faith, when you trust Christ, you enter into Christ. If you read this chapter, you'll find that it is used nine times, that phrase, in Christ. Church, where do we find our blessings? In Christ. That phrase is used 25 times in the book of Ephesians. It's used 130 times in the New Testament. Is God trying to tell us where we find our blessings? It's in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You are sealed into Christ. We're going to look at that next week. I hope you'll come back through for all of these. I've got a message next week called Signed, Sealed, Delivered. I'm yours. We're going to see that the Trinity worked together to seal you in to all of this. But we find that our riches, our spiritual well-being is found in Christ. Chapter 2 tells us where is Christ? He's at the right hand of the Father. And so we who are in Christ are seated with him at the right hand of the Father. For in Christ, Colossians says... All the fullness of God is pleased to dwell. In Christ, Colossians 2, 3, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians 2, 9 says, For in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been made complete. You've been filled in him who is the head of all rule and all authority. Here's what happens. When you trust Christ, you repent of your sin, you turn towards Christ, he receives you, you're legally justified. 
you are legally and organically and literally grafted into the family of God. And at that moment, I want you to see what happens. Look at the, look at the comprehensive nature, the completeness of this blessing. In verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with how many spiritual blessings? Every spiritual blessing. That word in the Greek means all possible spiritual blessings. All possible spiritual blessings you find in Christ. Now, let me just tell you this. The New Testament, this is not popular, but the New Testament goes on to teach you that outside of Christ, there are no spiritual blessings. Now, outside of Christ, there are earthly blessings. The rain rains on the just and the unjust. The sun shines on the just and the unjust. The lottery is won by the just and the unjust. You can look at all these earthly blessings, but listen, it is in Christ that people find heavenly blessing, spiritual blessing. What matters for eternity is found in him. Notice the chronology of this blessing. Look at verse four. We have this blessing in Christ because, look at verse four, because he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now, this is that that area of theology that we like to avoid because it requires some deep thinking and it scares us because there's words like election, there's words like predestination, and I'm sorry, but you can't avoid those words. They're all throughout the New Testament. So next week in particular, I wanna explore some of those words, but here's why those words are there. The words are not for us to really understand God-sized thoughts. I don't know how he did this, but what this verse just said is that before time, space, and matter existed, before there was time, the eternal triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit came up with a plan that involved choosing Christ, loving Christ, and all those who are in Christ would be saved from sin and death, made to stand holy and blameless before their creator for all eternity. That happened before he even created space, time, and matter. You say, how does he do that? One answer. He's God. I don't understand it. But he's done it. In Christ, before the foundation of the world. Why is such a teaching there? It is to give you a sense of this is a completed work. I can sit in this. I can rest in this. This frees me up. My past is secure. My present is secure. My future is secure. And it's not contingent upon the earthly things that happen around me because God is holding me right now. Presently, I am spiritually seated at the right hand of the Father. This was his idea from the very beginning. It wasn't based on how the quality of my life or the quality of my faith. It wasn't based on any amount of work that I did. This is God's idea. What does this lead us to do? Praise his glorious grace. To the praise of his glorious grace. It leads us to sing songs like we sang this morning. It leads us to come up here, gathering this wonderful congregation, open up his word and say, teach us, Father, what you've done for us in Christ. 
Now let's look at the content before we take Lord's Supper. Two things that jump off the page at you of what you have done. Now there's just a treasure trove of spiritual blessings and Paul just says look at these two church look at these two he says first of all you have been adopted verse 5 he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ now ladies can I just tell you that you two have been adopted as sons that is not politically incorrect language it is very important that it says sons because in that culture, only sons received an inheritance. And Paul says, ladies, men, Gentiles, and Jews, all of you have been adopted as what? Sons. Meaning you are heir. No matter what your race, no matter what your background, no matter what your gender, in Christ, you receive what Christ receives. All of the inheritance, all of the blessing, that place in heaven, in Christ, you have every spiritual blessing. And the first one he kind of highlights is you have been adopted. What an amazing picture that is. For us, adoption is a beautiful picture, isn't it? It's a beautiful word. We know the emotions that surround that. We know the beauty of those stories where you have little babies that have been left on the sidewalk and you have children who have been abandoned by parents or parents that couldn't take care of them and you see these parents that have no obligation, who have no uh, uh, legal obligation to do it but they come and they simply say I want you now you are legally mine my home is yours my assets are yours my name is yours and when you adopt that child in listen when you adopt a child in I've never met a parent who had a physical child and an adopted child who goes you're my adopted child but you're you're a little inferior to my physical child never seen that before you are on the same standing as if you had been literally born to that family because you've been adopted. This is the picture that the Apostle Paul is telling these Gentiles who were pagans, who never thought they could be part of the Jewish life, who were not part of those early covenants. And he says, come on in. God is adopting you in Jesus Christ. You're going to have the same promises and the same riches spiritually of the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In fact, you're all now children of God in Christ Jesus. You've been adopted in. It's legally, legally yours in Christ. What are adopted children? What can they claim? My wife was adopted, just a week old. What'd she do to deserve that? What did she do? Nothing. What did you do to deserve salvation? Nothing. What does that lead you to do? Praise his glorious grace. He's adopted me. Adoption 
When you're a child, it's different, isn't it? It's different in how you relate to a parent. A child's got access. All of my children at one time growing up, they were all church babies. They grew up in churches. They've been raised by the community of faith. And they don't, they don't, and they love the church. Praise the Lord, they love church people. But when they were little, I was just thinking of Stephen the other day. He was one of the most famous of the ones that around three or four, he would just strut, strut around the church basically like he owned it. You know? And he just felt so free. And he just walked past the receptionist, walked past other staff members, walked right into daddy's office. Not knock on the door, just walk right in. Because that's my daddy. And if you asked him, he'd tell you, my daddy owns the church. <laughs> I said, I don't own the church. Well, you're the boss, aren't you? You know, he's just trying. He just felt this because his, he was the son. I remember we took the eighth graders uh, from our Christian school to Washington, D.C., and one of, it was a comprehensive trip, and one of the things we always we wanted to do was go to the White House and to take 40 people into the White House. Um, it took a lot of effort. We had to make a list and get everybody's name, and we had to get their Social Security numbers, and we, they had to go through the State Department. They had to go through all sorts of levels of security just to potentially be considered to go into the White House. And so we did all of that. And then as we got about a month out, we got a note that you're not going. We're not letting you in. And, uh, and I started saying, oh, well, yeah, look, we're going to try, try another route. So I called uh, uh, Dikembe Mutombo, I think you told. He, he has friends. He's, he's, he's a friend of the president. That's, so I kind of went. I said, Dikembe, do you know anybody you can call? I'll check faster. You know how he talks. He talks kind of bad. But he checked. All of a sudden, we got a call. I don't know. He didn't call the president. But anyway, we're in. So we're, so we're going in as a group. So we get off the bus, and then we wait for a long time outside the fence in a group. Then we come inside the fence, and we get in this long line. And in this long line, we go in, and, and we, we go through this house, this little house outside the White House. And in that house, it's a clearing house. It's a security house. And there we, we go through a metal detector. We stand on this x-ray machine. And then we even walk past a couple of German shepherds that are smelling us. We were checked out in every way possible. Just a, just a preacher and a bunch of kids, you know. And we're going through there. And finally we get into the White House. And I'm all excited. And then we go in and there's ropes. And you can only go through the, the, the section and you only go through a couple of rooms of the White House. You see a few paintings. Every door is blocked by, a so, a, I said a social security guard, but a security guard. Everybody's, and they got their guns and all this kind and they're being nice. You walk through and then they exit you out the house. And I said, all of that for that. It was very, very disappointing. But there was a point there while we were walking through that house that was kind of interesting to me is that a dog, came running through the room, ran right across the line, ran through the living room, ran up the steps. And I thought, I'm lower than an animal. That's the president's dog. 
just goes wherever it wants. Social security, I mean, the social security guards, the security guards didn't shoot the dog. But if I jumped the rope, they'd have shot me. We weren't free. Can you imagine one of the president's daughters? She probably can just walk in there into the Oval Office. Those social security guards stand there. They come in. The daughters can go right in the Oval Office, probably sit right on their dad's lap. I know this about our president. I know this about any president, any dad. They love their kids. Come here. You're always welcome. And Jesus says, listen, God says, you have been adopted into the family of God. You have access. There's no ropes. The guards aren't going to keep you out. They're going to keep you safe. This is the point of this entire series. Listen, when you understand who you are and you've trusted Christ and you understand you've been adopted and redeemed, you can walk freely in this world. My daddy owns it all. And you realize you can walk safely and you can stand securely Because God has your back. How sad it would be, wouldn't it? To someone who really is the child, the adopted child of the king, to not live with that sense of freedom, that sense of power and strength, that sense of access. So he says, You've been adopted. And then look what else he says in verse 7. In Christ, we have redemption through his what? Through his blood. Through his blood, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Do you see now, church, why we celebrate communion? You see why? You see why we remember his broken body and his spilled blood? Through his blood, we have been redeemed. The word redemption means that a ransom was paid for you that liberated you. Right before I came in this morning, I saw a little news flash on my phone that those prisoners in Iran had boarded a plane. Isn't that awesome? Pastor Saeed, over three and a half years in prison. What does he feel like now? How free do you think he feels on that plane? Sealed in, signed off, being delivered. I've been set free. I don't know what our government did to get them out. It'll be interesting. I don't know if it's the nuclear deal or something behind the scenes. I don't think Pastor Saeed right now is concerned. But
But what we're going to observe right now, we do know what God did to redeem us. And so we remember it and we celebrate it. He took flesh. He became a human being. He, he went to a cross that you and I deserved. He was a substitute for me and for you. And by his blood, we've been released from captivity and made one of his children. Let's prepare our hearts. Would you bow your heads just for a moment?